Ben. And I was running a youth group. I was there for a few years. And um, he was just, he was a nice kid, but he was one of those kids that was always just, he's a real smart aleck. He was, just, was, was a bright kid, which didn't help things, right? Made him more dangerous. And we were outside one day, youth group, and uh, he was just, just trying to push my buttons. And he was just, you know, kind of not taking the Lord serious. And I walked over to him and I went, bam! I punched him in the chest as hard as I, I crumpled the kid. I just crumpled him. And I said, I leaned over and I said, Ben, when are you going to stop playing games with God? I led that man to the Lord right there. There's times that that might be needed. And now I guess he feels a little bit emboldened. He must be careful with what he says. I think we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. Uh, racism is essentially a white problem. For you to understand what racism is about, you're going to be so uncomfortable. As Christians, we love the homosexual and the transgender. Homosexuality is sin. You know, everybody's like, you taught that from school, everywhere, big business, you want to be successful, you want to be like Trump, gimme, 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 push, 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 step, 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 crush, crush, crush. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins, faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Hey fam, how y'all doing out there in podcast land? What is happening? What is happening? Well... Here we are. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, at least at the time of recording this, it is uh, Easter 2022. Um, so hopefully you had a great Easter. I know I did. I had uh, we had some friends over uh, the Rands. Uh, shout out to the Rands. Shout out to the mini as well. Have them all on the show before. If you've not heard the mini, they're a great uh, group, music group on Spotify, iTunes. Give them a support. Uh, great progressive LGBTQI plus friendly and engaging um yeah they got some good music out there and like i said i had them on uh when they were getting ready to release their album this was i think season four i believe you can go back and look but it'll, it'll be titled the mini um and um yeah just a great group of people and we've remained friends and it's nice it's nice to have uh have them over and uh, hopefully you ha- y'all had a great easter wherever you find yourself or if you're not listening to this in real time um, you know, hopefully you you are, are enjoying yourself wherever you are at. Um, this week, I got, uh, well, two things. I, I want to introduce you to the guests and I want to get right to it because this story is just crazy now. Um, yeah, anyways, it it's some crazy stuff and I want to get right to it because these are the type of stories and narratives I really want to uh, it, I really, I, even how I got started, uh, you know, with profane faith is, you know, just episode one is my story and my journey, you know, just towards where I'm at now. Um, but I did want to mention two things. One, how did you like that, uh, grotesque theology at the beginning? Uh, you believe, you know, I, that is, um, an environment I used to be in, man, just 
very very hyper masculine very uh you know pro violence but pro violence for god right definitely not any violence from black lives matter definitely not any violence from ethnic minorities but it was okay if you know uh the man you know whipped around some other young men and stuff i'm just thinking to myself like wow bro you just like opened yourself up to a lawsuit but i guess you know i guess i guess crazy shit man it's, it's shit like that that's just so toxic right it's just so venomous Oh my gosh, uh, I just had a great conversation with the, the Heathen Queen. I'm going to be airing that episode here soon as well. And one of the things that came out, she's amazing, by the way, if you don't follow her on um, Instagram and uh, well, actually, she's on TikTok. She's got a huge audience on TikTok um, and she's on Twitter as well. But one of the things I think about is just, you know, the crippling disadvantage that those of us who came through evangelical circles and came up as Christian folks, you know, it really is a struggle to have relationships with anybody because, right, we've been taught that, you know, we have to, you know, evangelize them, right? We got to lead them to the Lord. We got to, you know, looking for opportunities to share our faith and everything. And it, it really does hamper relationships so damn much because you never really have authentic relationships, right? You know, you know I, I really can't be friends with you, right, unless you believe the way I do. Or, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's like if I'm going to be hanging around these other people, it's like, well, let's share our faith, you know, let's let them know and all this stuff. So all those things can, you know, really lead up to, you know, just some really destructive uh, relationship patterns and particularly, you know, the dysfunction that emerges from that. If a relationship is built off of, you know, and you have different relationships. I get that. I'm a communications professor, so. I get that I, you have you have different relationships, levels of relationships. But if you're really trying to start an intimate relationship, either if it's romantic or non-romantic, um, I mean, come on, really? Do you really want to start a relationship with, it, it, you know, uh, that you know I I owe you something. I'm going to show you something. I'm you know I've I've got the only true truth, right? And I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to save you, help save you. Um, it's, it's sickening, right? I mean, now that I look back on it, it's just, it's, it's some crazy shit. And that's, yes, that's the way I was raised, right? It's like non-Christians have to be saved. And so much of that shit, right, falls back on the person as well. Um, and so, um, yeah, it, it's, it is crazy when we think about relationships and, you know, you hang out with other Christian people, right? And so as long as they think like you and they don't challenge kind of, you know, you stay within the challenge, uh, lanes, if I should say, you know, there's bumpers, and as long as you stay within those those bumpers, you, you I, you know, um, so it's just crazy. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. And, um, you know, uh, it, yeah, it just again, it hampers just part of that toxicity uh, that is within, uh, you know, Western evangelicalism. Second, speaking of toxic Western evangelicalism, I got to mention this book that just came out um, bad and bougie. I know y'all probably heard about it. Um, I'm working to try to get a podcast together on that because I think we got to have a conversation around just publishing and, you know, white voices trying to, quote unquote, speak for, you know, the people and all that stuff. I and mean, there's so many levels of of shit that's going on with that particular text. Um, least of all, just the, you know, the interaction with sources um, and the thing is, is that I'm actually an editor on the Cascade, um, book line. It's for different popology series for a different series. I did, cause I did not see this. Had I seen this, um, I would have at least raised my voice. I mean, it's, it, 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 but then again, it's like, well, who's going to listen? I mean, that's right. This brings up all kinds of shit, right? It's like, this is a great example, right? Of white people not having enough POC people in positions of power, Positions to be actually say, hell no, this ain't ever going to see the light of day. 
Um, and then they get into hot trouble, right? The book's pulled. Um, New York Times reported it, right? Made it all the way up to New York Times. Um, and, you know, it's just that, that's just there. I mean, this is yet another example of that, right? Um, and even if there are people of color, do they actually have the power to do that? You know, because white folks will look and roll their eyes at you in a second like, oh, my goodness, come on. Um, so, yeah, there's just so many levels of shit that's going on with that text. And, you know, a professor from Azusa Pacific, which, man, I taught there. Again, shout out to my man, Scott Akimoto. You haven't checked out his uh, chapel probation um, podcast. I was on there. He's been, all, you know, look, interviewing and talking with former APUers. And uh, that's just a lot of shit going on, you know, uh, at private Christian colleges. Azusa was was horrible. Um, and continues to be horrible, right? And and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, as is most Christian, private Christian, you know, universities, colleges, and stuff, man. Especially in this era, uh, I'm probably gonna, I'm trying to do a whole episode just just on that. Um, so yeah, I you know I am as I think about that, as I think about um, you know this text that you know did say the lot see the light of day. Um, you know, they sent out, you know, an endorsement. They wanted me to endorse it. And I was like, nope, nope, mm -mm." you know, and even the way the sources are used, the way everything is set up about it is just like, whoa, this is, this is not good. (laughs) This is not good. And I remember when the paper came through because, um, it came through, you know, our part of AAR, you know, that, and, you know, critical approaches to hip hop and religion. And I believe seeing the feedback i was initially like oh okay this looks good you know in terms of just the, the premise and and uh you know as long as you give credit to where his credits do and that's the thing i think what pisses me off is like you know you, you're building off of something that you have very little knowledge of as a white author right and and you know this is 20 plus years of people of color building up a a steady foundation for other people to stand on and this is not to say that white people can't write about hip-hop and trap feminism or whatnot but man when you're gonna include trap feminism which she didn't even come up with that term didn't you only footnoted the author that came up with that term all right i'm just like dude my gosh um yeah there's just again so many levels so we we're gonna have to talk about that on this show so i wanted to bring that up just let you know i've been thinking about it but i just you know i've been letting folks you know talk what they got to talk and you know it's just a mess man it's just a fucking mess and you know people are like oh well, don't you feel bad for i'm like no nobody felt bad for me when they was bad mouthing me at azusa when they when i've had people motherfuckers send shit out to the the goddamn president and provost of my social media file nobody was feeling sorry for me then Right when I came into the goddamn uh, biblical theological studies department of where I'm at now, um, and I was faced with nothing but like a fucking firing squad. Nobody was thinking about me. So hell nah, hell nah, man. It, it, no, we got we gonna have to go in and we gonna have to have a conversation about this shit because this isn't the only one that's out there. Uh, and what gets me about the academy is that someone can write a paper like this. Like had this been five, six years ago, ten years ago, she would have been the authority on this, right? <laughs> that's what's fucked up about the academy right it's like first to the finish line that's it they're the expert doesn't matter right doesn't matter if they 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 lived it or if they've done it they just researched it and that and that's that oh fam so much to talk about there but let me get to my man joey um i met joey a few years back um not even a few years back i've known him for a long time i i believe i knew him back when i was still a part of uiwi and ccda uh, urban youth workers institute uh, christian community development association for those of you who don't know and this man's just got a story, fam. Just the stuff that he had to go through. 
he's a uh, he's working on a PhD. I believe he got accepted. He's you know talk, thinking about you know whether he's going to go or not. But I know he has an MSW. He works in the mental health field. Ex evangelical himself, um, and just a great thinker. Uh, went to Fuller. We both went to Fuller, and um, yeah, he's just got a story of leaving, and not just leaving evangelicalism, but leaving conservative fundamentalist Latin X evangelicalism, because that's a whole nother layer as he's about to get into. Um, we're both from Southern California, so we have a lot of overlap in the places and, and people that we've seen. Uh, you know, he was like, man, I got, I want to name names. So he named names and stuff, man. And I think that is also part of the process of healing and also part of the process of putting this shit out there, man. Um, because I'm glad the shit is hitting the fan. I think all this shit needs to just fall and crumble and we need to start over. Um, because it's, 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 there's no, there's, there's, there's nothing left to salvage, right? There's nothing left to, to, to try to have a conversation about. Um, and this is, you know, I appreciate Joey just being honest, forthright, and, and just sharing his story. Um, so check this out. I've taken already too long. Listen to the story. It's a little long. I know, I know, I know, but I want you to hear it, um, and see how it breaks down. I, okay. Well, brother Joey, man, it's good to have you on the show. Finally, uh, here, uh, on the, in fact, my, my partner was asking me, she was like, where do you know Joey from? I said, man, I met that brother back in the UIWI days, man. And, uh, in the CCDA yeah. days and stuff, man. But, uh, what, so welcome, man. Thank you for coming on and, and thank you for taking the time. I know you, you a moving busy brother. Trying, trying. I actually heard of you first. Um, my first year first semester at fuller is that um, right i was taking ralph watkins theology and hip-hop class ah, that's and right. he said you had just finished your dissertation or you were or you had just finished it the year prior and he was bragging about you okay and, and your work and stuff so yeah 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 2010 yeah that's what's up man that's what's up man yeah i know i remember brother watkins man he he was on my uh, he was on my committee, man, and you know one one of the few black folks at at, at Fuller and stuff, man. So uh, you know it was uh, yeah, I know. yeah, yeah, brother. That's what's up, man. Well, I mean, the question I ask everybody, which I'm sure you know, what has been happening from birth to now? What has made Joey Joey? I know it's soon to be Doctor Joey, correct? Hopefully, hopefully, Dude, man, you gonna <laughs> I, hook gotta get, I gotta get through that process, man. I've been, I've been uh, watching all kinds of stuff and people and burning out over PhD process, dissertation yeah. process. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just uh, trying to, trying to wrap my head around it and uh, my emotions around what that means, what that means for my family, um, and that whole process. You've obviously been through it, so yeah, I'm trying to trying to get my head and, and, and everything around it. But as far as me, my background, I mean, I was uh, born in New York. Okay. Uh, but raised in California. So I was born into a Puerto Rican family. That's what's up. Um, my mother uh, went through 18 years of domestic violence with my father. Oh. Um, full out, brutal Damn. violence. Um, the whole nine. Uh, my mom finally left. Um, over a dream where she said she saw essentially Jesus uh, carrying a baby um, and my father kept, uh, she kept trying to get away carrying a baby boy, which I wasn't even born yet, with my two sisters 
And every time she got a certain distance, she would see my father and he's building a wall. And then Whoa. she would get around that wall and he's building another wall Damn. and so on and so forth. Damn. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of uh, abuse happened to my mother, both in marriage and then her upbringing. Um, and so she finally came out to California. I'm pretty much the, the only uh, of my generation and older uh, person raised not in New York. Okay. Um, my sisters are significantly older, six and 10 years older than me. So they're already in their teenage years when we came out to California. Um, so we came out here with my grandmother who had moved here several years prior. Um, and so coming out here, you know, I'm dealing with uh, my mother and uh, essentially the, the depression. I didn't know what it was at, at that time, but the right. depression that she's struggling with the anxieties, the depression, the um, feelings of, you know, trying to provide for her children, trying to escape this violence from my father, um, so on and so forth. Um, and so I move out here and I'm, I'm only two going on three. But immediately as I start to get older in the West Coast, it's not like the East Coast in terms of familiarity with uh different Latino backgrounds, different Latin cultures, right? And the West Coast is all Mexican, South American, predominantly Central America and Mexican, right? Um, and so I'm here and I'm, I'm growing up and people are constantly referring to me like, you're mixed, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not mixed. <laughs> you know, especially yeah. Mexican uh, and Central American people, they're just like, Nah, I'm like, nah, I'm Puerto Rican. And they're right. always like, so that means you're black and black and Mexican. And I'm like, <laughs> nah, that's not, that's not quite. I, I know my te my hair is a certain texture and right. you speak Spanish, but that's not equivalent to being black and Mexican. Right, right. Um, and so that, that was always uh, an issue growing up. I never realized how much it had a, it played a part hmm. in my identity. Um, but it did because, um, the entire time I'm questioning who I am, who I should hang out with. Um, and so for the most part, I grew up around the black community, um, for the most part until I got into, uh, about 15 years old, all my friends were black, um, and then when I hit about 15 years old, I started to tag. And then at least on the West Coast, it's predominantly Hispanics that are b-boying, predominantly Hispanics that are doing the tagging stuff. Um, you know, they're, they're not doing that. And so I got into tagging and started to hang around a lot more Mexicans okay. and Hispanics. And then um, I wound up getting locked up in juvenile hall. Okay. Um, I wound up being in juvenile hall uh, a total of six times. Um being on probation, uh, the whole nine, uh, being sent to boot camp. Oh man! Um, and, and this this is really where I was faced with my identity crisis because now, you know, what is typically said for prison systems, you know, you you associate with your ethnic group, right? Right. I, you don't really think of that in juvenile hall, but it's the same way. Hmm. You you associate with your ethnic group, and so because I people still didn't know what to consider me. I had friends in juvenile hall. They were like, they would say, why are you chilling with those mayates? Which is essentially saying the yeah. N word, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, why are you chilling with those mayates? Uh, 
you know, and I'm like, because if you look at Puerto Rican background, you know, we're, we are mixed, but we're not black and Mexican. We are also byproducts of the uh, transatlantic slave trade. You know, it didn't just happen in North America, it happened throughout the Caribbean. So we look a certain ways. And then with my other group of friends in juvenile hall, they're like, why are you chilling with the Mexicans? Why are you chilling with that? And I'm like, because I am Latino at some point, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and so it's, it's this back and forth experience. Um, and the same is true for my oldest sister. Like to this day, she'll express like I get pulled over and she's fair complected. Okay. She, she's, um, but she has uh, biracial children. And, but even when she gets pulled over, they automatically mark her down as black, 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 black. But if mm. you look at her, you're like, I wouldn't necessarily think that you're black. Um, yeah. But because of the associations with being Puerto Rican, because of the way you talk, uh, the way you do all these, you know, you express yourself, who you associate yourself with, um, you're automatically categorized and labeled and all of these types of things. So um, always had this identity issue as far as the West Coast and, and the East Coast is different. You got Puerto Ricans everywhere. You got Puerto Ricans, you got Dominicans, you got Cubans, you got, you know, Haitian, you got, you got all of them, not on the West Coast. It's not like that. A little right. more now, but not like that back then. Right. Um, and so, let me fast forward. Um, eventually I got uh, after being locked up in juvie uh, six times, fighting the whole nine, you know, uh, you know, tagging can get really deep. It's almost like a gang, but not gangs. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you pulling out pistols on people, the, the whole nine. Um, eventually, uh, the court takes me away from my mom and sends me up to Barstow. Oh, um, wow. And I, and, and I remember this because... The court takes me out of juvenile. I, I go to my court appearance. I'm locked up. I've been locked up for about 30 days or 60 days or something. Um, I go to my court appearance. Don't know who my district attorney is. Of course. Don't know who my lawyer is. Of course. I barely met him as soon as I stepped into the courtroom and he's sitting there and telling me what's about to happen. This is what we're going to do. I'm like, what, what the fuck you mean? What we're, we haven't even talked. Right. What do you mean we're, we're about to do? <laughs> right. Um, and I'm oh. standing there in front of this judge, of course, big white man sitting with a beard, looking at me, looking down at me, scolding mm. me, mm. yada, yada, yada. And I'm looking at him like, what the fuck's your problem? Like, I didn't do nothing to you. Like, what, what, what is this? And uh, he asked me, do I have something to uh, say? And I'm like, you know, what is it being incarcerated or sending me to boot camp? Because that was a decision. Uh, how is that going to benefit me? How is that going to benefit uh, the neighborhood that I came from? Like, you know, I'm in this. I'm involved in these types of things because there ain't shit else to do in my neighborhood. Um, of course, the judge didn't like that. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, he didn't like that. He, he reprimanded me, scolded me, said, um, essentially, I, uh, I wish I could send you to uh, California Youth Authority, oh, which they've done away with. Oh, yeah. Um, because I had reoffended so many times. Um, but I can't because I had barely aged out. I was like half a year shy of meeting the requirement. Okay. Um, and so he was like, I'm going to send you to a boot camp, which was called Heart Bar up in the San Bernardino Mountains. Okay. Um, 
And and I forgot to mention that's where I'm from, San Bernardino Inland Empire, nine oh nine Inland Empire. Okay, I. okay, um, come on, man. I gotta represent. I gotta represent. Nine oh nine. But I remember this. I remember this because the judge, and this is where the whole male issues come in. The judge essentially thought that my mother couldn't control me, and because my mother couldn't control me, is because I didn't have a father figure, oh. and I needed a male role model in my life. Yeah, right. Right. And check this, check this shit out. So he, my cousin happened, my cousin, again, I'm the baby of the family. I'm like, tw- I got cousins that are 20, 30 years older than me. I got a cousin right now that's like 55, 60 years old. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm the baby of the family. My cousin happened to be visiting my mom and my grandmother because I grew up with my grandmother and my mom in her house and my grandmother's home. And he goes with my mom to court that day. And uh, when the judge says that he needs a male figure, my cousin steps up. And says, I'll take him. My cousin's living in Barstow. The judge is like, okay, great. A male figure. Let's send him to go live with a male figure. Right. So I get out of jail. I go with my cousin. The judge gave no consideration to my cousin's background. My cousin was on the run from parole at the time. Wow. He was has multiple. <laughs> he has a rap sheet as long as, as, as you can imagine every kind of crime, drug abuse in the world. But, you know, he's a male figure, so let's just send him with him. <laughs> right. I get to my cousin's house. This fool's smoking meth oh, and doing damn. all kinds of, sh- you know. Um, and uh, it, I, I'll never remember. Uh, I'll never forget because he takes me. I go to Barstow. He has his girlfriend at the time living with him, his baby's mother, uh, the mother of his child. And he takes me to her sister's house and he's like, and I'm going to be crude. And he was like, I'm going to I'm going to take you to go get your dick sucked. Like what? Like, <laughs> and this is, this is who the judge sending me home with. Right. Right. Um, right. Because I need a male figure again, because mm-hmm. that's going to make everything uh, right. Cause that's going to repair everything. That's going to repair the, the environment I came right. from. That's just going to fix the hood that's gonna fix mm-hmm. all the, the smoking uh, issues gun. I had, um, and so luckily, or yeah, luckily, um, I get there. I have to do community service, and so my parole office, my probation officer, assigns uh, me to do probation at a church directly across the street from the high school I attended, Barstow uh, High School. I go in there um, with my cousin. My cousin's like, "You're gonna do community ser- service with Sister Sarah." Um, I'm like, I'm thinking uh, I was raised Catholic as typical for Latinos. I'm, I'm thinking sister Sarah's a nun. I'm going to a convent. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to do community service there. No, it's a Christian church. Um, I go in there. First person I'm, I see is my wife. She's putting up posters and stuff. My now wife, she's, you know, I, I barely met her then. Um, and I get introduced to the church. Um, and I finally begin to realize, feel like there's something I'm a part of. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like the pastor at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, this dude's an arrogant asshole, yada, 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 yada. Um, and, uh, but there was something to be a part of. There's, there was a hierarchy and yeah. in my eyes, you know, hierarchy was, was everything right. That, that gave you self-importance because there's a hierarchy. Um, and so I kind of liked it. I wind up getting violated again because my cousin said, uh, that I was out all night partying and doing God knows what when he gave me permission to be out with the church. 
and he was really mad because I told my parole officer, my probation officer, if you come to my house and search the house, the drugs you find are not mine. So, <laughs> but, oh. um, so she confronts my cousin. Damn. Instead of investigating, uh-huh. he lies and says, nah, he's been out all night doing all kinds of shit. Um, so she arrests me, send me in back in. I go to boot camp, come out. Uh, the girl that I was talking to at the church became my girlfriend. We started partying, uh, partying in the streets, rolling, you know, um, uh, you know, back early, late 2000s. I'm, I mean, sorry, early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, partying. This is the time of big time with party crews, you know, uh, party hotlines. You're calling in to get the information <laughs> yeah. on the, the, the nearest party and yada, yeah. yada, yada. And so my wife was raised in the church, but she decided to leave the church at that time because we were still dating. And she started to, she wanted to branch out because she was raised um, sheltered. Okay. You know? Uh, she was raised in the church from the beginning. The church was made up of like three primary families, two of which were her families. Okay. Um, you know, couldn't watch Smurfs, couldn't watch, you know, any show that has magic or that wasn't, oh, yeah. air, you know, any show that wasn't yep. uh, TVN, any radio station <laughs> that wasn't Air One, you're not <laughs> listening to, you know, right. that, that whole type of thing. So she wanted to, you know, she wanted to live a life beyond that and she she comes and she starts to party with me and things get worse and worse you know shoot shootouts and you know a friend of mine you know uh gets shot in the face with the buck sh- with the with the shotgun buckshot hits his face goes right past me just things started to get really really out of control Oof. Um, so she kind of reverts back to what she knows, like, you need Jesus, you know, Jesus yeah. is going to fix this. Right. Everything, all of this is because you don't have Jesus in your life. Um, and I'm hearing her and then things go sour with my crew. And after a big altercation, I get out and I'm like, uh, it's like the beginning of 9-11, uh, the war. They're talking about drafts and stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, I might as well get saved, you know, Um I'm scared of what might happen. Uh, things are going uh, south with my with what I'm familiar with, my lifestyle. I get saved. I eventually move up to Barstow. Um, we rejoined the church okay. where she was uh, uh, where she was raised. We're there. Um, I become a pastor in training. Right. Okay. That, that's that. That's code for. You're going to intern. We're going to make you work and we're not going to ever pay you a dime um, right. as many churches have. You right. know, you're going to be in here uh, on my staff, quote unquote, indefinitely. But you have no say, no influence, no power. Um, you know nothing. You can be nothing. Uh, all you can do is what I tell you to do. Right. Um, and the pastor. And here's where I'm going to start calling out names. Um, and, and, and let me preface it with this. I'm currently a therapist. A clinician. Um, uh, this is not my professional opinion. Uh, <laughs> let me say that. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm with But it. the pastor is a a narcissist. Yeah. Um, uh, a, and I don't know how many pastors I've met that are literally narcissists, and and people use that all the time, and they use it loosely. No, this this motherfucker is a narcissist <laughs> through and through. Right. Um, yeah. To the point where he gets in your face. A graduate of Fuller. 
doctor from Fuller. Oh, damn. He, he's telling people on his staff, you know, uh, uh, you, you don't have an opinion. What, what do you mean I don't have an opinion? You can't have an opinion because I have a doctorate and you don't. And even if you got a doctorate, you, I've been in this for 30 years. You can never have an opinion. This is this motherfucker. This is, this is him. You can wow. never have an opinion. Wow. His name's John Perea. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you and a part of the Assemblies of God, um, LABI. Oh, yeah. All that bullshit. Yeah. All them motherfuckers. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm there for a couple years and uh, some shit. I, I'm young. I'm, I had just been got married. I was 18 when I got married okay, um, and I acted out in an inappropriate way, infidelity. And, um, and I'm going to put that out there because I know what I was going to be like, well, look at his, let's dig up some shit on him. Yes. I committed infidelity. My wife knows you can try to dig up some shit all you want. My wife knows it all. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I take it to the pastor and I'm like, I'm feeling convicted if you would. And he's like, you don't tell your wife. And I'm like, what do you mean I don't tell my wife? I'm trying to come clean. I'm trying to fix this. I'm trying to repair. No, you don't tell your wife because she's going to be emotional. Oh, Lord. Um, Lord. uh, Again, words for uh, patriarchy, uh, misogynistic uh, views of women. Um, You don't tell her uh, she's going to be emotional. His executive pastor, who happens to be a woman, is there supporting him um, in everything he says. Side note to that, this motherfucker is so much of a narcissist that his executive pastor goes with him everywhere, been with him for years. She orders his food at restaurants. She cuts his food up. What? She, she, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This Damn. Movie, boy. He drives her car. Even if she doesn't come into the church, he, he gets her car. He drives it into, into work. They, they're like attached at the hip. Um, so you can't help but to think if there's not a physical relationship, at the very least, there's emotional attachment here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, deep. You never see his wife. She's never there. All that type of thing. Um, and so... Finally, I decide to leave, and I'm gonna speed it up. I finally decide to leave, nah, and going. I okay. I finally decide to leave. Uh, my wife and I decide to leave the church, and she says, uh, uh, "We we decided to leave the church because we want to become pastors because that's the natural evolution, right? You're not gonna make me a pastor here. You know, I'm gonna be an intern forever. I don't know shit. So for me, my temperament is very driven, determined." I'm like, well, I'm going to prove this motherfucker wrong. I'm going to go get a theology degree myself. There you go. Yada, yada, yada. I'm right. going to become a pastor. Right. You don't know what the hell he's talking about. So on and so forth. Um, my wife and I decide to leave. And there's a lot of little things in between. Um, and immediately, as soon as we tell him we're leaving, we're going to go to Southwestern Assembly of University in Waxahachie, Texas. Um, we automatically get ostracized in I'm, the church. Yep, yep. Um, Everybody pulls back. And again, the two, thir- two thirds of this church is my, my wife's family. Wow. Um, her father's side and her mother's side. Oh, damn. I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking deep, like generations. 
like Ooh. like two three generations back when when Barstow still had all dirt roads. <laughs> oh, you no. know, like oh, like that. It is that thick, that deep. Damn. Um, okay. And people are buying into this shit, and yeah. they they completely pull back from us. Nobody's really talking to us. Nobody's engaging us. At the time, the executive pastor at the church, her brother was the youth pastor. Um, and we became very close. Me, okay. my wife, him, and his wife. And uh, there was a church uh, retreat of some sort that was supposed to happen. And we paid for our costs in advance, our room in advance. You know, you pay the church, they go pay it, whatever. They book them in, in groups and the rooms down and whatnot. We couldn't go for some reason. So I tell them, you know what? Take my money. Take the money we already gave you yeah. and apply it to our friends who are the, the youth masters who are broke because you ain't paying them shit. Right, right. Um, and apply it to them so that they, they don't have to feel the burden. I get you guys said at the beginning, there's no refunds. Fine. There's no refunds. Just apply. Give them our room. Give them our, you know, their our tickets or their tickets now. They tell us we can't do that. The fuck you can't? What do you mean you can't do that? Why can't you do that? Then give me my money back. Um, and I'm talking with the youth pastor at the time about this, this uh, or the former youth pastor, associate pastor at the time. Yeah. We can't do that. Not giving me any explanations. So we start to get an intense argument. And at the time, the church had uh, services at a community center. Okay. So at the end of the uh, end of the service, at the evening service, Sunday night service, you know, everybody's breaking down. Chairs are getting put up. You know, tarps are being rolled up, stage being broken down. And so she says, you know what? As we're arguing, going back and forth about the money, she says, you know what? Stay right here. I'm going to go get uh, uh, Pastor John. She goes and gets Pastor John. He comes in and instantly, instantly, all the men's home and, and church members that were left putting up stuff leave the fucking community center. They close the double doors and he's in my face. And he's telling me, when I say, you know, uh, uh, to back down, you need to back down. I'm I'm the man of God, yada, 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 so on and so forth. You need to stop. You know, I said this, this, that, and the next. <laughs> Again, oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Again, I'm from the streets. Right, right. <laughs> and, and so my fists begin to ball up. I'm about uh, to punch this motherfucker square in his mouth. Right, right. Because <laughs> um, all of this is coming back. You Absolutely. Know, I've been in the church a couple of years. All this is coming back. I'm like, this dude's a threat. He's in my face. It's time to get his ass body slammed. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife, she intervenes and she jumps in between both of us because she sees my fist balling up. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you can't do this. And he's like, I can't do what? He's out of control. He's yelling. I can't do what? And she looks at him and she says this. And he realizes what's happening and he calms down, and then we just go our separate ways. From that point on, nobody's talking to us again. Of course, we're ostracized. Nobody wants to talk to us. Finally, yeah. we leave, and we think we're off to bigger and better things. Right, right. right? We're off. To, this is just one isolated account. This is just one church. <laughs> right. This is just one situation <laughs> right. that everybody likes to say in the church world. It's just them. No, it's not just them. The whole system's broken. Yep. It's irreparable. Yeah. It needs to be broken, burned to the fucking ground. Yes. Um, anyways, so we go <laughs> We go to Sagu, Southwestern Assemblies of God University. Okay. We're there. Um, 
practically an all white college. You're from Texas. So, you you know, um, you know, these, these motherfuckers, you know, John Hagee went there. You oh. know, that type of shit. Oh, um, oh. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, Damn. Know, you got like heads of of, uh, of the Assemblies of God, which is a Pentecostal, ultra conservative denomination, all white. You know, um, and if you ain't white, you're white affirming um, because you're Hispanic and you're just super white affirming. Um, yeah. And yeah. so uh, uh, we go there. I think you froze. Um, we get there and uh, I'm instantly, you know, I'm, I'm enthusiastic. I'm, 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 you know, I'm going to learn theology. I'm yeah. going to learn how to be a pastor. I'm going to do this, that, and the next. We're having have requirements to be at chapel every day. We're attending chapel. People are speaking in tongues and this, that, and the next. And um, I start to realize shit is weird. Yeah. It's a little weird. <laughs> I remember distinctively one day in chapel, you know, we're praying at the altar, hands up, crying, tears, you know. Feels like a, 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 a R&B concert where people are crying over the singer, throwing, you know, throwing yeah. stuff on stage and stuff. Yeah. And this dude comes up to me and he starts to shake my belly. Now, I'm a big boy. You can't be shaking my belly, you know? No, I don't. Um, I don't. Because he, no. he got his hand on my stomach. He's shaking my belly because he wants me to speak in tongues. And I'm like, this shit is weird. I'm not right. about to speak in tongues, but he's shaking my belly because... For some reason to him, I, I don't know, he, I, I needed my hand, his hand on my stomach in order for the Holy Spirit to <laughs> speak through me, I guess. I don't know. Right, right. Um, but this is the type of weird shit that's happening, right? Um, this is the type of weird stuff that's happening. Um, they're telling me I got to take off my hat. The same hat. I've been wearing this hat since I was a baby. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they're telling me all these types of things and things are just not making sense. I'm like, what does wearing my hat have to do with anything? Bruh. Like, bruh. What, why? You're like, you can't wear a hat in chapel. I'm like, why? Right. What? Like, God's going to look at me and be like, you know, you're a heathen and you should right. burn in hell. Is, right. He, is God a right. sportsman? Does he like the Dodgers and not the Yankees? <laughs> what is the problem here? Yep. What? What's, yep. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, brother. And so uh, I'm there, and one thing happens after another, and, and and I'm not thinking critically at the time, right? I'm still just like affirming this because this is the way. This thing, you know, I'm a part of something. I'm growing. I'm I'm getting an education. Things that right. I never thought were possible were happening. Uh, not knowing that this is this is really a, a byproduct of of networking in the church, not really necessarily a byproduct of God doing something in my life. Um, and so things are happening and I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I'm in my first hermeneutics class and I'm still friends with the professor, but he says something that stood out to me and he's teaching on interpreting scripture. And he says, there's different forms, uh, you know, uh, over history that, uh, how you approach interpret scripture, pietists, you know, interpret scripture a certain way, so on and so forth. And then he goes into bad forms of interpretation. And he says, there's different other types of interpretation that are bad. And he says, one of them is, you know, it's called black theology. No. And he tells me, yeah, oh yeah, blatantly, black theology or liberation theology. 
Um, it's bad. It's wrong because it's biased. It doesn't look at the scripture objectively. That whole spiel. There's other ones. He says, you know, there's queer hermeneutics, and that's also biased. It's not looking at scripture and thir- uh, 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 objectively, um, so on and so forth. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, and things are, you know, lights are starting to turn on a little bit. Um, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, but aren't you interpreting it based on your background too? Right, right, right. But I don't say this, but it's in my head. I don't say this, but it's in my head. I'm like, yeah. but then that means that you're looking at it biasly also. Um, But I I, I keep going on with it. I I adopt all this, move on, uh, get out of school. Come back to California, uh, looking for a job, uh, looking for a pastor job, right? Because your first job is you go into youth ministry, become a youth pastor, because that's the natural progression. Right. Um, looking for a past, uh, youth pastor job, get a youth pastor job, uh, part-time down in Glendale at a all-Filipino church, Filipino and Armenian church. Um, there, moved down that way for about... Two months, pastor, come back from a youth convention, and the pastor says, I just resigned. You just lost your job, too. Like, I just moved down here. I'm broke. Like, what do you want? Like, you you couldn't have told me ahead of time? You wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Assemblies of God for you, I tell you. Assemblies of God for you. So I find another youth pastor job in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, okay. I, I get to San Antonio. Ultra white church again with some Hispanics sprinkled in there. Right. Hispanics in there. Um, And uh, this church is, man, as traditional as you can get to the point that they had a baby grand piano on the stage for years and years and years. And finally, the cost of, you know, upkeeping a baby grand piano to have someone come in and tune it, yada, yada, is expensive. So they obviously had to make a change. So they bought a keyboard that looks like a baby grand piano. Um, this this is the this is the mind frame to them, uh, their mindset. Um, the pastor's stressing out. The board is, uh, you know, dictating every single thing. He's stressing out to the point of dudes going into hospitals and because he's stressing the hell out wow. over the expectations of the church. Um, uh, his wife's a federal prosecutor uh, in Texas. Um, she's uh, She likes to consider herself a, a, a pit bull with lipstick on. Um, and behind the show, behind his back, she's telling everybody how it's going to be. Um, this is what you're going to do. This is how you need to comply. Don't stress my husband out. Even I'm not the senior pastor, but this is what the fuck you're going to do. Um, this is her approach. Okay. Uh, to things. Uh, she tells the music minister's wife who just had a baby days letter. Uh, you need to suck it up. You know, you need to stay at home after you give labor um, and, and heal up and, and rest and whatnot. No, you need to suck it up because you're on the worship team. You need to be in here the next day. Like, what kind of shit is this? Like, what, what's going on here? Um, I finally leave because uh, the Assemblies of God still, uh, the SoCal Latin American, they call it SPLAD, Southern Pacific Latin American District, um, had a church in Boyle Heights. Okay. Um, and they 
they they needed a pass. They needed someone to come and take over a church that had been there, a longstanding church that had been in, in the neighborhood of, on First Street and Gless and that whole Boyle Heights by Pecan Park. Um, uh, that the pastor, my predecessor at the time, had had Parkinson's and it had just gotten too severe to where he couldn't pastor anymore. Okay, but nobody else wanted to go. None of the white pastors wanted to go. None of the other pastors wanted to go. They needed somebody that could handle the hood, who can handle the, situ- <laughs> the situation. This is literally one block away from, uh, what's the name of the church? Slipping my mind. Anyways, where Father Greg Boyle uh, started oh, out. Yeah, okay. Uh, and my predecessor was Pete Bradford. He's He was essentially to the gangs in that area, the Christian version of uh, Father Greg Boyle, right? Okay. Um, walking the neighborhood, helping gang members, so on and so forth. Um, and I get in there, and I get there the first day, my wife and I, and I realize why nobody wants to take this church. Um, the building directly on First Street, um, about two blocks from the LA river okay, um, from K town and you know, little Tokyo, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's roaches, uh, crawling all over the place. Oh Lord. Um, it, it, it's so bad that my first service there, the drummer, um, who's the daughter of a family we became very close with, still friends with to this day. She's drumming and a roach falls in the snare and she's trying to avoid the roach popping up on her while she's playing the snare oh. on the drum kit. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, oh yeah. It's next level. It is next level. Damn. Um, it, it's so bad that when we finally got an uh, exterminator to come in, mm-hmm. um, the exterminator tells me that uh, it's overpopulated, that the roaches are looking for somewhere else to go because there's no more room. Jesus. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There are rats the size of cats. There are... What? uh, I walk in down the hall. There's like cupcake frosting smeared on the wall. Like thick glops of it. Like nobody's keeping this this shit up. You can tell the assembly's God. They needed someone in there at the moment, but they didn't want to do nothing. They didn't want to help with nothing. Uh, they didn't want to be in there. They See. didn't want to serve these people. They didn't want to help these people. They wanted nothing to do with them. It was completely just left to uh, itself and the people doing whatever the hell they wanted to do at the time. Wow. Um, that is, yeah. that is, and the AGs, man, they got, they got some money. I know there's, they could, they could have easily dropped some cash into that just to yeah. do the upkeep, man. Like this oh, is yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And, and so they wanted me to come in to take over the church, but to become a PAC church, a parent affiliated church, right? Under Covina Assembly of God in Covina, California. Um, and I would be under a man by the name of John Johnson, uh, who later became the super, and still is the assistant superintendent of the, of the Splat district okay. or what they like to call the SoCal network now. Um, and, uh, you know, they, 
the district council, which is like a annual conference for the Assemblies of God for each district happens. And they bring me up on stage, me, another black guy and a Cuban friend of mine by the name of Alberto Bello, um, who's still part of the AG, unfortunately. Um, and they, they, they tokenize us, right? They, oh, yeah. they, they bring us up on stage. They present to us a $50,000 check, which is really our salary. It wasn't like they're donating to this building or fixing shit. They weren't doing that. Right, right. Um, you know, they bring us on stage. You know, they're going to do this great thing and they're going to yada, 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 so on and so forth. And they're going to be great. They're going to change the inner city. This is the beginning of changing the inner city and mm. that whole spiel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get in there and it's my first senior pastor job, lead pastor job. And I'm still learning the ropes, still learning everything, how to do her, how to be a senior pastor, how to be a leader, how to change things. And we get some money, we raise some money, we're fixing up the building. And uh, this is 2013 and we're fixing up the building. We finally get it to a, a, a state where it's pretty decent shape. We tore down all the walls. We had all the electrical replaced either through donations or through getting some, pe- some people to volunteer their time and so on and so forth. We had a friend who was the senior, who is the senior um, audiovisual architect for Sony North America. He does like the uh, Olympics and shit like that. Okay. You know? Um, but he's also a Christian. He comes in, he's like, I'm going to donate my time. I'm going to design this whole thing, all the audio systems. We get all of that in place. Right. So that now the building's worth has gone up. Right. Of course. Now the building's gone from shit to, and it's an old building, you know, to the point where we were tearing off plaster that still has horse hair in it. And to later learn that that was a old way of making plaster stronger through horse hair in there. Um, yeah, and so now the building has some worth, and the Sixth Street Bridge is about to get tore down and rebuilt. Okay, okay. Um, and gentrification is taking place, and Boyle Heights has been fighting gentrification for years. Yep, yep. Um, Come on, just like they did in Echo Park, um, just like they've done in so many other towns, Mission, uh, uh, the Mission District in Frisco, and. You know, Brooklyn and so on and so forth. Doing that shit all here downtown Chicago, man. What once used to be Cabrini Green are now multi-million dollar, um, you know, places that motherfuckers is paying cash for. And niggas Mm -hmm. can't be, you know, living up up in there anymore, man. Niggas is moving out three ring suburbs, man. So I feel you on that shit, man. That's a whole nother conversation. But I'm feeling you. Please continue with you bringing up the property value because I'm so curious how the denomination is going to (laughs) react to taking shit. To, oh, you know, yeah. to diarrhea, you know, to bringing it into vomit. And now you got like a, some spit and people are like, no, man, goddamn, I like that spit. God damn. Hey, like, look at Joey. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. this is what white people do, right? This right. is what uh, white conservative males who have all the power and privilege and access to things do. Um, and the Assemblies of God, because religion and race are often conflated, um, <laughs> this is what they do. Yep. Um, this is what they do. They Jeez. come in and they say, you know what? We're going to sell the building. See? See, I knew it. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was just a matter of motherfucking time that it was just going to be some stupid shit like that. 
Oh, okay. All right. I will hold myself, but okay, brother. Because I'm, cu- yeah. I'm curious, like, there's so many things that are running through my mind right now because I've been in similar situations and scenarios. But at the time, and it, you tell me how you was thinking, but at the time for me, it was like, well, this is just what God is, is allowing. This is part of God's plan. And you kind of just like bend over, really, you know, at least for me. I ain't going to put that on you. Yeah. At least for me, I'm thinking, well, this is God's plan. You got a person in authority because for a long time I was colonized to see white men as the authority figure, as the godly figure. They're the ones who knew how to run money and how to you know do all that shit. It's, yeah. it's people who taught me, right? You go to seminary, that's the motherfucker sitting in front of the class. It's a white man. The people who yeah. wrote the co- goddamn commentaries, another white man. So you just assume this motherfucker knows what they're doing. And they wouldn't take advantage of me. We're all God's children. So that mm-hmm. was my ma- mindset when that kind of shit happened to me. But please, continue. No, you're dead on. You're dead on. So I'm... I'm uh they call me into the district office. Mm-hmm. I bet they, they tell me this. We yeah. just had just had our launch, our official launch about eight months prior. Jesus. They call me. I'm like, we finally got started. It took us. Y'all wanted me. This is what their expectations were to start with. They wanted me to go in, turn around the church, be at 300 and self-sufficient simultaneously within a year's time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and yeah. and to back to to uh, go back just a little bit, I know this both from the standards they set. I know this from again we were a parent church, so Covina Assembly was over over us. John Johnson was essentially the senior pastor. I was just leading it, even though he almost never showed his face there. Um, uh, I know this because one day I told him like. It's not that easy to make us financially self-sufficient. In my congregation, I got people from Skid Row. In my congregation, I probably have a handful of people that have full-time jobs. Right. What the hell you want me mm-hmm. to what the f- do you want me to do? Right. His reply was Oh lord. Check this out. His reply was Those people will do anything. Those people will work for anything. Get oh. them to make some tamales. Oh. Go sell them. No, he didn't. And get and have the and then they can give their ties from that shit. Okay. All right. All right, man. <laughs> All right. All right, brother. So he's sitting you. Wow, bro. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I and I'm sitting here. And I was like, my wife actually, my because I'm thinking like, okay, this 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 is crazy. Wow. My wife's like, did he really just say this shit? Are you fucking kidding me? Did you not just hear me tell you that the majority of my congregation are impoverished and you want me to go essentially guilt them into working more or somehow or your assumption is that they don't work enough as it is and then give their money to us. What made it worse was I had. As pastors do, I'm a pastor. I'm asking for tithes. Of course. And I had a, a, a situation upon situation where people were coming to me. One family came to me and was like, you know, we're broke. And should I still pay my tithes? I'm like, fuck that. Feed your kids. Fuck the tithes. <laughs> I had right. another couple right. who was there, long-standing, long-time couple who had been there with my predecessor. Um, who came to me, elderly couple, 
feeling guilty because I'm asking for tithes. I'm mm. telling this, you know, pass the, the, the bucket around. It's time to give the tithes. Pastor Joey, should I give my tithes? Do I need to give my tithes now? We're, we don't have any money. They're elderly Hispanic couple, don't have no pension, don't have, they're relying on social security. Right. right. You know, I thought I gave my tithes for my social security. Like, do I pay? The, 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 the lady was in tears over this because they're, they're, as typical Hispanic families, impoverished Hispanic families, you have adult children living with you. You have most, yeah. you know, meshed yeah. families living together because survival is where it's at in the hood. This yep. Is, yep. These people think we live together because we don't want to work or we don't, we can't work <laughs> or don't have skills. <laughs> right. Have you seen the rent in LA? So of oh. course the, there's multiple families living together. And of course she's in tears because she's like, She's conflicted, like, do I take care of my family or do I give my tithes? And if I don't give my tithes, then am I disappointing God? Am I disappointing right. the church? Right. Am I disappointing the pastor? And all these expectations. And and she's in tears. And I'm like, no. My wife tells her, like, no. First of all, you already paid your tithes from yourself when you initially uh, paid because now your your income's from your Social Security. Second right. of all, fuck this again. Take care of your family. Exactly. Oh, my God. I mean. And this is what the church doesn't get, right? They, you need to pay tithes. You need to be self-sufficient as a church right now. We need to save the world. We need to save the hood. We need to save black and brown communities. But we don't also don't want to pay them a living wage. We also don't want them to do all these other things. We don't want to give them access to stuff. But they need to pay the tithe so that we can make sure the church is growing and has money so that you motherfuckers can line your pockets in the district office and be okay while these people are selling tamales on the street and don't know how to take care of themselves. Man, and that and and that brings it, I mean, even to the point, because I keep thinking through all of this, this is like, I know they ain't paying you shit neither, man. They, oh, they were paying, paying me 50 grand. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. I'm surprised. I'm yeah. surprised. And, and yeah. Because, I mean, because that's the other side of it, right? It's like, you know, they're pastors oftentimes, man, right? Because you're right, in L.A., I mean, it's one of the most expensive places. And, I mean, I, I can't imagine what rent is now out in those places or just even trying to buy property. I know when I left in 2011, man, I mean, I remember we looked at the, the, the house across the street from us. We used to live in Pasadena. And it was, you know, it was, you know, shoddy little house. It needed a lot of work. You know, yeah. it, it had, the, I mean, they could, you could categorize it as a two bedroom, but so much of it had been just worked over and it had been reduced and it was still 750, man. Yeah. And I'm like, God damn, man. And at the time, like I said, you know, things are going up. Right. Sixth Street Bridge is getting taken down. Right. They're trying to, you know, the, the metro system is really at the forefront of gentrification in Boyle yep. Heights. Yep. And they're trying to get this thing changed. They want to, they want to, you know, that goal uh, line. level Mariachi Square, a cultural center for Boyle Heights neighborhood. They want to, you know, they want to do all this. So, you know, prices are increasing like crazy. Um, and these people are are conflicted and overwhelmed by this necessity to pay tithes. Yeah. And, and so the district calls me into the office and they're like, we're going to sell the church. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, you motherfuckers 
Are you, you got to be kidding me right now. Right. What you really brought me in here to be is to be a foreman to get all these people, to get all these people to work, to revamp this fucking building so that you can flip it. Right. Come to find out. Well, let me, let me go in order. So I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. I'm frustrated as hell. I'm pissed as hell. We're arguing. I finally tell them, like, this is this is discriminatory. This is like you guys don't give a shit about Hispanic people in the in <laughs> in the district office. Me and the assistant superintendent are going at it. He gets in my face again. Same thing. This is how I know this. This isn't this isn't an isolated incident. The pastor right. John Perea, This isn't an isolated incident. Shit happens again in the district office. The superintendent gets in my face. You need to back down. Oh no! When I not tell a- you to back down, you need to back down. And I look him square in his face, and I'm like, "You need to back the fuck down." And of course, the angry Hispanic Latino right, guy. Right. You right. see all kinds of motherfuckers rushing into the office because all of a sudden I'm gonna beat the shit out of this motherfucker in their assumptions. Right. Right. Because right. I'm the angry his Latino person. I'm the angry black man. I'm the angry yeah. whatever they perceive me as in the room. Even though he's the one escalating the shit. Exactly. Even though he's the one getting in my face. He's the one getting loud. But I'm the threat. I'm the threat. So I find I'm like, okay, fine. I leave. Whatever. You guys want to sell the building? Sell the building. We'll just keep the church moving. I'll go bivocational. Whatever. We'll find a spot. I already built a relationship with the high school uh, right across the What's the name of that? I forget the name of the high school. Right on First Street um, and uh, 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 a Mission. Um, Build a relationship there. Was like, I'll just take it to their their uh, uh, basketball court. They I built a relationship with them. He was like, Okay, you're the only church we've ever allowed to do this. We'll allow you to do this. The the district, the Assemblies God district was like, Okay, that's fine. We we want the best for you, brother Joey. We want the best for you. We just need to sell the building. We need we want the best for you though. I'm like, okay, I'll go by vocational. We'll find this. We'll figure this out. I'm not going to leave these people hanging. Yada, yada, yada. They've been working. They've been grinding their ass off. Some of them have been there since they were literally children. Children. They were found in the park by my predecessor, you know, just project kids running around. Right. They were found by my predecessor. I'm not going to leave these people. I'm not going to leave these people. We're going to figure out a way. So um, I leave the district office. I'm figuring it out, figure out all the, what we're going to do. Um, they wind up, um, I had to be out, I believe it was May 23rd, May 25th, something like that, 2016, I believe it was. And um, I, we, we get out the church, they tell me I need to take all the, uh, uh, like sound equipment, all the stuff we fundraise, all the stuff right. that my people donated, right. all the stuff that my people had worked so hard to accomplish. They want me to take all that stuff, take it to another pastor, a presbyter um, in Santa Monica, drop it off. They were going to do, you know, disperse it however they were going to handle it, give it to another. I don't know what the hell they did with the stuff. Um, Damn. Uh, and, and we get out that day. I drop off all the stuff. And I get an email two days later that says, we decided a month ago or two months prior 
that we're going to close down the church anyways. So not only are we selling the building, but you can't even continue the church uh, 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 even if you find another location. After this whole time, you had been telling me, whatever you need, Joey, whatever you need, Pastor Joey, we want to support you. We just need to sell the building. We want to see those people taken care of. We want to see the church go forward. Let us know what we can do. But then the minute we move out the building, you send me an email saying two months prior, you already decided to sell the building. Right. To take it deeper... I find out because I'm friends with a few presbyters, some of who had left also. They tell me, that was your church that got sold? I'm like, yeah, these are new presbyters at the time. The district had just went underwent a change. Okay. Where how they uh, structured different presbyters, who what the regions for different presbyters. And so they elected all new presbyters, right? These new presbyters come in not knowing shit. They're still going through essentially an orientation training on how to be a presbyter, district presbyter. Um, But the district, the superintendent, the assistant superintendent, the secretary, they have a meeting with these people who don't know how to be a presbyter yet, don't know what property we own entirely. They don't know the ins and outs of everything, right? Right. But they have a meeting and they say, we have the building that we need to, we can sell and make X amount of money. And if we sell it, you know, we'll be back in the green, uh, back in the black. And, you know, we'll have, you know, this, this amount of money in our fund to do whatever missions and all this other bullshit that we want to do. These people have no idea what church it is. They have no idea what building it is because they're brand new presbyters, I said, and they're still getting oriented to everything. Right. And so they don't tell them who church it is. They tell them, this is the building. Everybody that wants to sell this building, say aye. Of course, they all raise aye. We're going to sell the building. And then the guy that the presbyter that I talked to that told me this was like, I realized after we voted and I said, wait, isn't that Joey's church? Isn't that Pastor Pete's old church? Wow. They're doing great things in the neighborhood. What not this? And he starts to tell the other presbyters and he says, wait, 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 wait. Can we, no, we don't want to sell this church. And he tells me that they, the, the district superintendent and the assistant superintendent says, it's too late. We already voted. It's over. So they flipped the church. The shit went from roach infested, rat infested, uh, two blocks from LA, uh, downtown LA, your gentrification's taking place and they sell it for like something like I, I called CBRC yeah. uh, to check yeah. and uh, it was listed and it was sold for like 1.8 million or something like that oh. because it's right down the block. It, well, 6, right. square foot right. building. Right, right, of course. Prime neighborhood. So they shut us down. That's dirty, man. Yeah, That's dirty. Dirty. So dirty. Um, They shut us down. And uh, I'm like, fuck them. I don't need them. We're going to continue the church. Unfortunately, these people had already experienced, even before I became their pastor, so many ups and downs with the district. So many. uh, And there's a bunch of shit I'm not even saying for the sake of time. Um, They're they're, they're already exhausted from everything they had been experiencing with the district over the years. Um, they had signed into contract when they became a parent church in perpetuity. Um, for anybody out there, if you see in perpetuity, 
run as far as you can go because that shit means we can decide whenever if we decide to let you go or not it's indefinite that's what that shit means um we can decide to keep you we can decide to sell you we can decide to do the right thing or not do the right thing we can do what we want to do to benefit us or to be- whatever um so these people were exhausted and it just couldn't continue um, so, the, the, you know, the idea of starting another church just kind of dissolved. I'm, uh, heartbroken. Yeah. I'm distraught. I'm, my wife is equally heartbroken for a multitude of reasons. First, um, like a year and a half prior, her mom died from H1N1 randomly, which is swine oh. flu. Right, right, right. Um, then uh, I disclosed finally to her my infidelity from early on. Okay. Um, and now this shit is happening with the church. Um, so we're both just heartbroken. We are, uh, they give me a severance. I'm going to put it out there because I don't, I don't want nobody saying shit about shit. Right, um, right. Because I want all the smoke with everybody right now. Uh, I want all the smoke <laughs> with everybody. Um, I'm distraught. And they give me a severance. They give me like 15 grand. Okay. Um, in order for us to make it, because we're living in Pasadena. We're living actually at Fuller Housing. I'm still trying to complete my MDiv. Okay. Um, we pay off our car so that we don't owe our car and we can still have a car. Because right. in California, you need a car. This is We don't Ab- have subways and shit. Absolutely. People don't understand um, that, especially Southern California, man. You need oh, yeah. a, you need a goddamn car. Hell yeah. So we pay off our car. So we have a car, and so that I can begin to drive Uber and Lyft. And I immediately started driving Uber and Lyft because that was the quickest way to make money. Right. First, quickest way to make money. Second, I'm assuming, and based on some of the articles I've read, research articles, um, you know, you have a theology degree. Don't nobody want to hire you. Right. What the fuck do you know? Right. They don't, they don't know you as a pastor, you know how to lead, you know how to, you know, a community organize, you know how to run an organization, you know, how to, but you know, that's not what they know. They just think you read Bible and, and preach all day and, and pray. Um, so I can't, I can't find a job. Um, so I need to drive Uber and Lyft. I'm driving, you know, uh, you know, butt crack of dawn, 6, 5 a.m., you know, 4 p.m., sometimes later trying to make a couple hundred bucks because rent's astronomical, even in married housing at the school, um, you know, $1,600 a month is, is, is still pricey for something that it don't even really got a kitchen. It got a kitchenette, you right. know, like one counter. Right. Um, right. So I'm, I'm grinding, I'm hustling at the same time. I'm dealing with anger. I'm dealing with depression. I'm, I'm like literally hopping out on fools, like road rage up the ass, like crazy. I don't know what it is. I'm not recognizing what it is, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, dis- I'm, I'm emotional. I'm, I'm a wreck. Um, I remember even a point at which I was like, I should just drive through this intersection and let it be what it be. Mm. Um, I should just drive through yeah. this intersection yeah. um, and let it be what it be. Because what people don't recognize and what, white uh, male um, individuals in power don't recognize is that we are people of color already don't have shit. Right. Um, Finally, you get something that you can hold on to and then you snatch it away 
and now you don't have anything again. Right. Um, and when you and when it has to do with the church, you don't just lose your job. Right. When you become a part of the church, you're so engulfed. You're so a part of this. This is your job. It's your life, this man. This is your life. This is your social circle. This is your community. This is this is everything. Right. This isn't just a, this is I'm not just leaving one job going to the next. Exactly. This is not that. Exactly. You lose it all. Right. 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 So I'm I'm emotional and I remember I'm driving Uber and I post I'm like fuck it I'm going to post what these people did how much they sell the building for um yada 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 and this actually this is what happened I got an email that says you haven't paid your uh uh your dues. You haven't paid your dues as a, as a minister of the Assemblies of God you pay an annual fee an annual due to be a part of the as a minister you can either be credentialed, licensed or ordained each one has a different uh, due amount. Mine was like 250 a, a year or something like that. Okay. I'm like, I ain't got no money. What the fuck do you want me to pay? How how you want me to pay this this due? And this is what you contact me about after everything has happened? Not a call to say, how you doing? Not a call to right. say, you know, are you okay? Not even a call to say, can we pray for you, brother? None of that shit. You, you email me to ask me about my dues. Right. More money. Yeah. So I'm pissed. Oh. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to Facebook. I post what they did, how they sold the building, what's happened. I'm posting about all this type of stuff. 15 minutes later, yeah. my presbyter, because I'm still a, a licensed minister of the Assemblies of God, contacts me and says, the district has saw what you posted and they want you to take it down right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they I'm sure they do. I'm sure yeah. they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm heated. I'm about to pick up somebody for Uber and drop them off. And I'm, I'm fuming. Right. And I take it down. I decided to take it down. Cause I'm still, again, I'm holding on to this thing. Like I need to be a part of this. I can, I can still, you know, uh, 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 manage this whole situation. I could, I could do something with this. I have a career. I have a, 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 a future, I'm still trying to hold on to this, but I, I'm uneasy. I'm uneasy with this. And so finally I take it down and then I put it, that shit back up. Um, and I'm just like, fuck it. Uh, my my dude, my uh, license is going to get taken or it's going to expire. I don't care. I'm done. Fuck these motherfuckers. Um, they can all kiss my ass. Um, and uh, I let my credentials go. And um, I started going... Uh, well, let me say this. I, I, I let my credentials go, and right around the same time, one of the other guys that got tokenized, there was one, remember, there was three of us that got right. tokenized, uh, his church gets taken, because again, he didn't produce 300 people in a self-sufficient church in the middle of South Central in a year's time. Right. Um, right. And where we're at timeline-wise, what, what year are we in, you know, what, what, when you this is still 2016. Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is, yeah. this is right on the cuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that happens to the other, the, the one, the other, uh, second person of the three of us that were tokenized. And then my other friend who started a church in Hollywood, 
They're trying to take his church because he's not producing. Mind you, his mother-in-law owns a business and she's contributing X amount of money to keep the church alive and all this type of like giving thousands of dollars because she's a business owner and and they still want to take the church from him. Um, so he leaves, wow. goes up north and what happens with them happens. He's still part of the AG. Um, but I, I completely let go of my ties to assemblies of God. And it was at that point that I started to realize like this shit had to do as much with um, my race mm-hmm. and uh, my background being from the hood, being from the streets as it did with any other reasoning that they, you know, came up with to justify what they were doing. And I began to realize uh, one thing after another, and there was like all over the news, you know, Michael Brown and this, and this person getting Orlando Castillo and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and, And the lights just started to just ring, just like, these this is why they did this this has nothing to do with we can't afford it this has nothing to do with this that and the next this has nothing to do with that this has to do with money and power and greed and because even when i said i'll do this pro bono i'll be bivocational what you saw was an angry latino kid that you couldn't control and that you didn't want opposing you that you didn't want to stand in your face and Mm -hmm. all and oppose you on anything and so you needed to reaffirm your control and let everybody else know who is in power and it was uh it's it has been it was a devastating process um so far that it still continues to this very day Mm -hmm. where these motherfuckers will do whatever they can to badmouth me to badmouth anyone that came from that time i still have friends who left the AG around that same time? Yeah. Um. Uh, because of similar issues, white guys included. Um. That 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 still are in relationship with some of them, and will be like, they'll they'll hit me up every so often, and be like, they just said something about you. <laughs> they just, I'm like, what the what what is your problem? Right. Right. Because you know, Uh-oh. and I know, if I show up to that district office, you ain't going to be talking like that. You're going right. to be calling 911 real quick, talking about there's an angry Latino kid outside ready to uh, uh, hurt somebody in here. Right, right. A terrorist. He go, he yeah, come over exactly. here and he's, he's inflicting harm, man. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, God. Wow, bro. It's. And I decided, you know, I still wanted to help people. And so I decided to go into social work. Um, and that's where I started to learn, you know, uh, 
you know, about ethnocentric monoculturalism and, Mm -hmm. you know, all this type of stuff. And it just started to make a lot more sense. And I realized like this has to do with white supremacy. Um, So far, so long, so far that they will, they will say, we're not white supreme. We don't affirm that type of stuff, but of course they're not going to oppose it. Right. And then they have a Hispanic superintendent, Rich Guerra, um, and say, oh, he's Hispanic. He's as white as can be. He's not his, he may be ethnically Hispanic, but the way he's affirming of all this shit. Right. Right. He's oh, yeah. not for the Hispanics. He's not for the Latino guys, but they tokenize him and they take his power and they overpower him when he's way when he's out of line and he opposes them. They they don't want any Hispanic to be in control. I don't know not one person that is in power other than uh what's his name? You probably know him from Chicago. Um Choco de Jesus. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> He's not. the only motherfucker that they token that they tokenized also. Um. Uh, that they've allowed to have any power at all, and even then, him, they uh, they got to keep in control. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and they love his story, right? It's like, you know, and he's conservative enough that he fits with, you know, some of the, you know, traditional family shit and, and whatnot. Like I said, I don't know the guy personally and stuff, but yeah, I know. I mean, his church is, it's literally, you know, about what, about six blocks off from where I live in, in, in whatnot. Yeah, right off the division, right? Right off the division. Yeah, exactly. You already Mm -hmm. know. And and, there are a couple times. And that's, and, and see, and this is the part that gets me. Because I was with Young Life, right? And so Young Life, be it nonprofit, non-denominational, or be it a do, you know nonprofit denominational, the bullshit is still the bullshit. And you have white cats that have you know that, that are uber rich that 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 are able to write hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar checks from their personal account, right? <laughs> um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And and so these cats is and this is the thing that I was arguing in one of my books, man. It was just like, you know, like the racism is in is embedded already into the DNA, man. Western American evangelicalism, no matter if you have a black or multi-ethnic church, it is inherently racist. It is inherently built upon neoliberalism and capitalism right this idea of growth this idea of development this idea of having a ceo as the senior pastor distribute all the way down to their employees i mean that model right there is about conquering right is about putting up my flag and and saying this is what the fuck we are and we're all doing it in the name of jesus you know we're all gonna do it in the name of the holy spirit hush shit about a honda right and Mm -hmm. It, and the minute you and the minute you have an issue, it's a personal issue. It's a personal salvation issue. Yep. It's a personal uh, you can't dig. You're not working hard enough issue. Yep. The minute you say anything, it has to do with an individual issue. It cannot be a systemic issue. It cannot be an organizational issue. It cannot be any of those things. It, they have to isolate. This is if you only did more. If you only did different, right? Well, motherfucker, give me a chance, and maybe we might. Right, 
I mean, can you imagine had they given you that money to begin with? Like, hey, Joey, let's just give you one point eight million dollars. We really we haven't been able to do shit with this with this environment. Um, we really want you to go in and transform, you know, that community, like really empowering you to do that shit, even half of that money. I mean, look at what you did. And this is across the board, though, right? This is across the board. People of color are involved in these organizations and will literally turn goat piss into gasoline, okay? Oh, yeah. You know, will literally mean to run miracles mm -hmm. and not get any of the fucking credit for it, right? You know, and... Exactly. This is what gets me, and this is why I've, you know, I've, I have been, I've been telling folks like, man, you need to get the fuck out of a denomination. Like, I don't give a fuck what it is. Whether Evangelical Covenant, uh, Assemblies of God, Seventh Day Adventists, they are all built upon the same ideas and all the and on the structures right now, you know. Absolutely. And and that for me, you know, brings it to another point because it's like for me, I'm just like, okay, look, I'm not against God and the sense of the supernatural and the divine, but I am at stand against, you know, this, this is the type of bullshit that I, I mean, as you're telling me, I'm reliving, I remember. And when I got fired and all that shit happened, man, um, there was no Facebook. Like I couldn't even go online to air my grievances and shit. Right. Like there was no yeah. place to do that shit. So I'm literally having these side conversations and fucking conferences and, and people. And even then people are still saying, well, I just think God, you know, rather than just dealing with it and sitting with the uncomfortable, I, I, God's got something better for you and stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, really, really? Because yeah. this pretty fucked up what just happened right now. Like, and you and, and you really trying to pull some some Job's three friends shit on me. Right. Right. OK. Mm -hmm. All right. I got you. I see what time it is now. So, brother, I'm I'm yeah, man, it's it's uh, that's whoo, that's some real shit, man. It's um. It is so destructive in so many ways um, to people of color. And this is uh, a huge issue, um, especially amongst uh, Hispanic communities, because at least in my observation, this is my only just my personal observation, um, Hispanic communities tend to be, and we see this with when Trump came into office, tend to be super white affirming. Um, they tend to be, uh, and I'm not sure why, but they tend to be okay with the standards and the premises, and they we they live they live right into. Uh, what white organizations and white uh, communities of power expect of them, and they're constantly being screwed over mm -hmm. all the time. Constantly. Um, all the time. Um, uh, I still have friends that are part of the AG that are... Yeah. Uh, despite everything that continues to happen to them similar to my experiences that are saying similar things to what you were just saying, just like, you know, God's going to fix this. This is for a reason. Um, you know, we need to do, these are God's principles and, you know, affirming everything and anything that Trump would say or right. anything and everything that, uh, 
you know, these organizations say and uh, build their reasoning and their justification upon. Um, and, and it's destructive in the obvious ways, you know, you're taking power, you're taking money, but similar to myself, what does it do to a person's um, emotional security? What does it do to uh, their emotional stability? What does it do to their families? What does it do to uh, your, your, your toying with these people and playing with them as right. though they're chess figures yeah. um, in your game? Right. Um, and you have no inve- real investment in this to where whether or not they succeed or fail, whether or not they give their ties or, or not uh, has no effect on you. But it's destroying these communities. It's destroying communities of color who are a part of a church that is predominantly white. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean this this is a, this this story is amazing. I mean, this is and I want to be conscious of time and everything, man. Um, yeah, but you know, cause I want to respect your time, man. But this shit, I'm sure you're like you said, you're leaving a whole bunch of stuff out because that's because that's the way I feel, right? It's just like, man, there's a whole bunch of shit. And then I always felt like, at least for me, when I left, I wasn't really able to explain my side of it to you know, because I was working with kids, right? So I'm working with 14, 15 year olds and stuff, man, and and really. Mm-hmm trying to explain i mean it's been years now that i've had to go back i mean these cats is all you know grown-ass people now and stuff so i can have conversations with them now but i always felt like i really wasn't able to show my side like it was just the the magistrate coming down doing this shit and then they, they get all the credit they get the the kudos they get the more money and you know, I'm just like, man, that just leaves, you know, I'm from the hood, man. You know what I'm saying? I got to just leave a bad taste in my mouth, right? That just, oh, that yeah. make a nigga want to go just, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that yeah, was some crazy shit. So absolutely. it's, it, it is, man. Um, Well, let me ask you this, man. What, uh, you know, where can folks find you? What are you up to now? And, uh, you know, if they want to reach out to you, maybe they're like, hey, we'll bring you back, brother. We'll, we'll pay for your whole Ph.D., brother. You know, shit. We'll, we'll make it we'll make it right. You know, <laughs> that sounds good to me. Uh, um, you know, you, you can find me on the uh, on the typical, you know, social media, Joey Oquendo um, or Jose Oquendo, O-Q-U-E-N-D-O. Um, I'm as you mentioned early on, like I did a master's in social work at USC. And then now I'm uh, just got accepted to U Albany and waitlisted for University of Indianapolis um, for PhD in social work. Um, a lot of people think social work is about uh, DCFS and right. that type of stuff, and, yeah. and it's not. Yep, um, that's yeah. one thing. Um, that's one thing we get involved with. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm debating whether or not to accept the offer. Uh, as we talked about, um, for a variety of reasons. And, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, you know, my, my focus is on the disparities, um, the inequities, uh, that the church, um, facilitates or creates or, um, uh, amongst black and brown communities through these types of, uh, as my story um, depicted through these types of activities, these right. types of, uh, approaches, um, to doing ministry. And it's, uh, yeah, that, that's, 
that's that's where I'm at. You know, I'm I'm back in the Inland Empire. Okay. Uh, with you know my wife uh, and I for 20 years. Um, that's what's up. And uh, we're just we're just keeping it moving. We're keeping it moving um, because there's so many people that that uh, there's so many inequities propped up by the church. There's so many uh, personal issues uh, as I had um, identity issues, um, so on and so forth that people were experiencing once they uh, become disillusioned with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just there's so many layers on how the church and white supremacy is affecting and impacting um, people of color that nobody, uh, not even nobody that that needs to be addressed, um, and uh, I'm gunning for them. Yeah, I'm gunning for them. Hey, come on! Um, I'm I'm gunning for them, and I'm I. As soon as I'm sure people are going to hear this podcast, and I'm going to get calls, and I'm probably going to hear from that by the, from the AG pretty soon. Um, and I wish they would because I want all the smoke. Um, <laughs> I want all the smoke. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not with violence. I'm not for violence or any of those types yeah, of things, yeah. but I want all the smoke. I feel you. I want, I want all the smoke. And, uh, these, these racist motherfuckers, uh, need to pay. I, um, hey, yep. All of them, both in the church and out the church, they all need to pay. And, um, I, I promise you this, uh, any racist people that, that are listening to the, listening to this podcast and uh, uh, you think you're going to bring it to somebody, bring it to me because I want it because I'm waiting. <laughs> well, and I would encourage them, man, because there's always these cowards out there, man. I always fashion these cats like they'd be the first one. The boat was going down. You used to talk about women and children first. These motherfuckers would be the first ones on the boat trying to justify. Uh-huh. They cowards like a motherfucker, man. I, they, they always... They always picking on somebody. They are always assaulting somebody right. that can't defend themselves right. or won't defend themselves. Right. Right. No, bring it to me. Right. Bring it to me. Right. Because I promise you, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my foot all up in your ass. Right. Real quick. Right. And that's you know. And again, for those listening who don't understand, like, oh my god, like, look, look, He's look, look, look yeah. right. <laughs> Look, no, 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 no. This has, has a lot to do with just the respectability of, man, can you honor somebody as a human being? Can you can you respect that as an individual, right? And and people always want to come out to somebody's livelihood and, and you know, and aspects of that. But again, people like those, those, those type of people, right, hide behind their paychecks. They hide behind their titles. They hide behind their gated communities. Um, that's why sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I wish we would have a zombie apocalypse, man. Just take them motherfuckers <laughs> out. Take them out, oh, yeah. man. Shit. Oh, yeah. Because oh, I'm yeah. serious. The, the, the man of God. Right. You can't oppose the man of God. So long as he's the man of God, nobody can say anything. Right. Or oppose anything. Right, man. So I, I feel you, man. I'm glad. I mean, at the very minimum, hopefully some exposure, you know, to what, you know, the shit and the shenanigans that have... Uh, um, have been going on, man. I I thank you for taking the time and and sharing the story, brother. I, I feel like we've just not even touched the 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 peak of the iceberg uh, that is that is going on. So I will for sure have to get you back on because you know I have a couple of series going about uh, you know with God is not love. You know God must be a conservative, and so I gotta bring you back on. I'd love to hear your take 
especially as a theologian, especially somebody who's in the mental health field, uh, about how those things uh, work out. So this is not the last, but I thank you for sharing your time, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really appreciate being here. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. Hopefully we speak again because it gets deep. Even when I was uh, applying to my PhD program, spirituality is supposed to be a strength for social work. And I spoke with some experts and they're like, I will not support the subject of research that you want to do because I only want to approach a strength based approach to uh, a Christianity and social work. Um, that's how deep it gets. It gets deep. Wow. Um, they don't want to oppose shit. But uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate even being on here. I'm an avid listener. Um, and uh, I think more people uh, need to hear this stuff um, because it's, as I said many times over, it's not one incident. It's not one person. It's not one situation. Right. Um, it's, it's the whole thing. Right. Right. It's a system. It's a system yep. within it. Um, and there's a lot of complicity of, of folks because they veil it under the, 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 the guise of, of godness and theology and Christianity and whatnot, man. But in reality, you know, I said the same thing about, you know, like Christian publishing, there's no difference between Christian publishing and regular publishing. I mean, them niggas is, is still trying to sell books and they will promote who the <laughs> yeah. fuck they want to promote. And if you a happy nigga and you want to go out there and, and say some shit that appeases the white folks, they will sell your shit in a minute. But if you not... They will, you know, like IVP coming, you know, being like, oh, we're going to take your book off of the shelves. Well, all right, well, yep. then fuck it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you don't want it, fuck it. Yep. I'll buy my rights back and I will, I will, I will take my shit. You know what I'm saying? Y'all motherfuckers. I will self-publish. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> shit. Yep. Listen, man, I could talk with you all day, brother. Thank you once again. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate no, you. you, man. Thank you. And I even get to like really analyze shit, but, uh, oh, well, yeah. yeah, I just want to tell the story. No, I just, I just story. this is great. Like I said, well, I, I, yes, I, I, I will get you back on, man. Cause I know there's, I know there's more. So much more. <laughs> so much more. <laughs> um, yes. So much more.